Be delighted this holiday season at Ice and Lights, the winter village at Cameron Run. Just minutes from Old Town Alexandria. Stroll through the park and enjoy winter photo ops, light displays, hot chocolate, and a warm treat. The winter village offers playtime for the entire family. Extend the magic of the holidays by visiting early, starting November 17th. Get your tickets now at CameronIceandLights.com. That's CameronIceandLights.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith. And faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word, shout it out. Hallelujah. Remain standing one scripture tonight. Go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Not the epistle of John, but the gospel of John. Hallelujah. John chapter 10. Look at verse 26. When you have it, say, I have it. If you're still flipping, say, give me a second, Bishop. Give me a second. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 26 says, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Father, we thank you that you hear me, and you always hear me tonight. I pray that as tonight, as we share over these next few moments about hearing your voice, and hearing you clearly tonight, that uh, your sheep would begin to recognize your voice in a more excellent and efficient way. And so we thank you for it tonight, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Uh, Look at your neighbor and say, have you ever wondered, God, is that you? You can be seated tonight. Give me some monitor. Uh, We all have God is that you moments uh, that come as a result of our uncertainty of who we heard on the inside. Now, let me check the room again. How many people you've had that kind of a moment where you're saying God is that you? Uh, uh, Let me translate for country folk who that is. For 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 my Saints fans, who that? So everybody's on the same page. Now watch this. There have been lots of misunderstandings and misinterpretations of God's voice. Scripture says that sheep know his voice. Uh, Now here's the thing. There are four kind of people that that come to church. The first kind of person is a multitude person. These are people that come for what they can get. Jesus had thousands of multitude folk. And the moment he didn't give them what they wanted, they left him. Uh, The second kind of person is a sheep. Say a sheep. Now, sheep are unique because every shepherd had a shepherd's staff. Uh, As a bishop, we call it a crozier. And what it is, is on one end it has a loop. 
that the shepherd would use to grab the neck of a sheep that was wandering. And at the bottom of it, it was strengthened so that in times the shepherd needed to discipline the sheep, he was able to break the sheep's legs so the sheep would learn not to run away from the shepherd because while the sheep thought it knew it where it was going the sheep didn't know it had bad eyesight you don't know you're blind until somebody steps up and tells you what you're seeing isn't as you see it are you hearing what i'm saying so then the shepherd would break the legs of the sheep and and your legs represent your will say my legs represent my will now, check this out. He didn't say multitudes know my voice. No. He said sheep, which means people whose will is broken know his voice. Okay, so, so, so watch this. Uh, as long as you're living for your will, the way you want to live, doing what you want to do, you'll never hear God clearly. You will always have doubt because the condition of hearing his voice is you got to be a sheep. And to be a sheep, your legs got to be broke. <laughs> your legs have to be broken. Now, touch your neighbor and say, that's talking to you. Now, now look at this. Uh, knowing a person's voice comes from prolonged relationship and knowing what, uh, what to look for since there are four people that are talking to you all the time. Okay. Now, I'm going to say that again. Knowing a person's voice comes from prolonged relationship. Uh, you get to a point to where uh, you don't even have to see who's talking because you have relationship with who's talking. You can hear their voice, and you know that it's them talking. And immediately when you hear their voice, you begin to get an image of who they are, and that image of who they are speaks to you just as if they were physically present with you, even though you're only going off of something you heard. But because of what you heard was so familiar, you were able to come up with a vision based on your hearing. You're still here. Now, look at this. Look at this. It comes through the process of time. Time. Got it? To where you're able to recognize somebody's voice, as it is with God. Uh, the, the longer you walk with God, the clearer his voice should be. And even when you can't trace him, you still know that he's there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, now. Uh, there's four people that are talking to you all the time. And this is what makes us have those God is that you moments. Because there's four people talking and you're trying to figure out out of them four folk talking which one is God. Now here's the first person talking. You ready? It's you talking to yourself. Now watch this. H here's how your mind works. Here's how your psyche works. Uh, you, watch this, will manifest your own will in a third person's voice. And then have a conversation with yourself. And that third person's voice will bring you comfort even though you know the voice is wrong. It's your manifested will talking to you. Y'all don't want to say nothing. That, that's okay. And you'll sit up there and have a conversation like it's two people talking and it's really just your manifested will. Because here's the deal. Since you can't get nobody to co-sign with your foolishness, you create somebody in your mind to co-sign with your foolishness. And then the person you create in your mind then becomes your agreement. So sometimes people don't know if it's God because they can't distinguish between them who they've made their God. So that's first person talking. First person talking is your will. And you make it a third person. But here's the second person talking. Here's the second person talking. Here's the second person talking. It's people's unbiblical opinions replaying. You had a conversation with somebody you shouldn't have had. 
you, you told somebody like Joseph, you, you told too much of your dream, you, you did all this. And so now somebody's unbible-based opinion, it's unbiblical, and now it replays in your mind. So when you're trying to say, God, is that you, you you're trying to sort through something somebody else said. That's why you have to be very careful. That's the reason why when, when a woman is having a baby, they don't let everybody in the delivery room because if everybody comes into the delivery room, some folk may be carrying stuff that is going to contaminate what she's getting ready to give birth to. That is the reason why if you want to know God is up to something, that's because God begins to isolate you. Isolation always precedes promotion. And if you cannot deal with isolation, you will always give uh, birth to very unhealthy babies. You will always give you will always give birth to things that become sickly later on. And it becomes more trouble to care for it than it does to keep it because you allowed somebody in there at the wrong moment. That's why you got to be very careful when you're in the middle of stress and trauma and trouble who you talk to. I know you call so-and-so because so-and-so tells you what you want to hear. But you better be careful because you don't understand. You're letting people in there and they will begin to contaminate what you're giving birth to. So now you're trying to say, God, is that you? And that's really that person that doesn't even believe God that's trying to tell you something. They're not even a Christian. And you're sitting up here saying, hmm, 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 Okay, I guess this is too heavy. Okay. Here's third person talking, third person talking, third person talking. This is Satan talking. Now, 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 you know, a lot of people have this thing like it's devil on one side, angel on one side. That's not how it goes. You got two people over here. Okay, you, you learn who those are. Unbiblical people and you, your will. Now, now, now watch this. Then Satan talks. Now, he, here's what church folk love to say. Come on, you know what I'm going to say. Say it. The devil is a liar. That's not true. That's not true. Go to Genesis 3. The devil is a liar. <laughs> I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you something. Let me say something. Because he talks too. Now, you need to know this. He doesn't have the ability to know what you think except for what you say out of your mouth. Satan can't read your mind. He, he don't have it like that. Okay? Only way he knows what's going on in that head of yours is you got to talk. Let me prove it to you. Genesis chapter 3. You got it? Look at verse 1. Now, remember, we're, we're saying people say the devil is a lie. I'm telling you that's not true. Genesis 3 and 1. Now, the serpent, serpent there does not mean snake. It means deceiver. Deceiver was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, watch this, has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the deceiver, we may eat. Now, here's my question. Why in the world is he talking to a deceiver? It's amazing the folk you'll sit up and try to talk to and you already know who they are, but somehow you convince yourself that you can control the, okay, all right, okay. And the woman says to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is the midst of the garden, or middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest ye die. Look at this. Then the deceiver said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, now, the people, the devil is a liar. That lying devil. And normally, it, they, you know, church folks say that to describe stuff they can't quite quantify what to say. So the devil is a liar. People say, uh, you got to pay us. The devil is a lie. (laughs) 
You understand what I'm saying? Now, now look at this. L look at this. L look at this. Because Satan understands you enough to know that certain stuff, if you hear it, you'd automatically know it ain't God. So he doesn't walk up to you and say something crazy like God is a pyramid. Because he knows you're immediately going to say, that is crazy. That's the, the devil is alive. The devil is not. Got it? He doesn't walk up to you and say, hi, I'm Satan, and I'm here to deceive you. Let's go. He doesn't do that. He mixes truth with fiction, which will cause subtle disobedience. He misses truth, mixes truth with fiction that causes subtle disobedience. Because now look at what he told her. He says, has God indeed said? Now, here's the deal. If you go back, Eve wasn't there when God started talking about what, what stuff not to mess with in the garden. So we have to assume that God told Adam and that Adam told Eve. So immediately, what the enemy is doing is making her question the voice of her leader. Now, what happens after that is, is he says, listen, you will not surely die, for God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God. Now, look at what he promises her. He says, your eyes are going to be open. Watch this. He's saying to her, Eve, you're missing out on something. You're missing on something. There's something greener over here. And I'm here to tell you, artificial turf always looks greener. Satan wants you to think that there's greener grass on the other side, that there's a, another way to live, that you don't have to be faithful to God. You don't have to be do right. No, 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 no. He always wants you to think that. So he tempts her with something that she doesn't have the ability to know whether or not it's true. He says, your eyes will be open. There's something better over here, and you will be like God. Now watch this. He said, but Bishop, but, but Bishop I thought he said he's not a liar. Look at verse 22, same chapter, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us. That's exactly what he told her. The problem is he mixed truth with faction, or with fiction, rather. So, so here's how Satan is a deceiver. The word deceiver or deceit doesn't mean a lie. It means to withhold all the information. See, deceivers are worse than liars because you'll end up believing a deceiver... Ever met a deceiver in your life where, where you, you felt, oh, man, of course I believe them. Of course I believe them to only find out they were withholding. So what he does is Satan deceives by giving incomplete truth. He didn't tell her the cost of what she was going to do. He just made her think that there was something she was missing out on. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, 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 here, here's, so, so that's why it's sometimes difficult for people to, under, to discern whether or not it's God or the devil because he's going to tell you a little truth. Matter of fact, he's going to read some scripture to you. He's going to give you some scripture. But then he's going to mix that scripture with something totally false. And you'll believe the false part because you heard the scripture. So now you let your guard down. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Anybody ever been there where you, well, that. And then here's what you'll say to yourself. That makes sense. Okay, now we're going to look at this some more so that you can discern who's talking. Here's the fourth person that's talking. You ready? God. Bingo. Shout bingo. B-I-N-G-O. Now, watch this. God's voice is God's leading. Now you got to write that. God's voice is God's leading. Because uh, sometimes people misunderstand that. 
most often his voice or his leading doesn't appear in an audible voice. This is the Lord. Get thine down from this house and go swimming today. For I have prepared a... No, he didn't, he didn't do that. And people that always talk about these audible experiences they have with God, you need to be careful. Because in the scriptures, he wasn't a motor mouth. And he wasn't a gossip. <laughs> I, the Lord was just talking to me. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Now, now watch this. Now watch this. He speaks to our spirit. He doesn't speak to your emotions. He doesn't speak there. He, he's not that kind of being. He's a spirit. He doesn't speak to our emotions. He doesn't speak to our flesh, our Adam. He doesn't speak to that. He speaks to our spirit. Are you getting that? Now, in him speaking to our spirit, question becomes, well, Bishop, what is my spirit? Because a lot of folks just say, I just, here's what church folks say, I felt something in my spirit. And I always wonder, I always ask people, well, what did you feel? You know, it was just, a, you know, I just felt it. Well, but God, you know, God is not a cold. You don't catch him. You know, you know. So, 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 so what do they mean when they say that? Now, now, now look at this. You still with me? The word spirit in, in, uh, in Greek is the word pneuma. Pneuma. Oh, y'all oh, want me to spell it? <laughs> Some of y'all, N-U-M-A, okay. No, P-N-E-U-M-A. P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma. That's Greek. This is why you're giving us Greek. That's Matthew through Revelation. Now, here's Hebrew, ruach, R-U-A-C-H, R-U-A-C-H. That's Hebrew. That's Genesis through Malachi. All right? Now, why are you giving us these words, Bishop? Because spirit in both of those words, the simplistic meaning for it is the process of one's thought, or the mind. The mind. Watch this. The sanctified mind. What does sanctified mean, Bishop? I ain't got no makeup on. I'm sanctified. No, 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 no. That's not sanctified at all. Sanctified means set apart. Not the mind we let run wild, the one that we tame. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna explain this to you. you. By the time you get out here today, you're gonna be able to know God. You're gonna know God. You 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 just gonna you just you're gonna get it. Got it? Now, it's the process of thought in which God speaks to our spirit. Okay? It's the process of thought. Process of thought and how he speaks to our spirit. Because again, if you're looking for an audible voice. You, you, even in scripture, when he spoke audibly, 99% of the time he was speaking to his leaders. Very rarely did you ever see it. Matter of fact, I, I, I believe it's safe to say uh, probably very kneel if you would ever see him directly speaking to someone other than one of his leaders. Most often when he was speaking to someone that was not a leader, he sent a messenger, an angel. He sent somebody to talk on his behalf. Got it? Upper management deals with upper management. Middle management deals with middle management. So on and so forth. Okay? Now, are you saying Bishop God can't speak to me in an audible voice? I'm not saying that. 
I'm just saying that's not his primary mode of communication as evidenced by the scriptures. Are you still with me? Now, in the scriptures, there were five primary ways that he spoke to people. Okay? Five primary ways. And we're going to look at them from the less frequent to the most frequent. The less frequent to the most frequent. So number five is the least frequent. Somebody say the less frequent, Bishop. The, le the less. <laughs> Not the least, least, least. least. Y'all all right? We're just walking through this tonight. I'm going to shout you real good in just a moment. just want to walk you through it, okay? All right. So that way you don't have to be wondering no more, God is that you. I heard something about Lay's potato chips. Lord, you don't want me to have, Lord, you don't want me to have sun chips? I promise you he don't care. I was praying, and the Lord spoke purple, so I figured I had to get purple nail polish. I just don't. I, he doesn't. Okay. The fifth, which is the least frequent. There we go. Not less. Not less. Not less. Y'all don't have to be King James scholars. Not less. It is angelic visitation. Angelic visitation. This is an angel coming and talking to you. Now, I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to give you a little something, something. Go to Genesis 19. Uh, if this was Bible college, I'd say we're getting ready to dive. We're getting ready to dive. Bishop, what does that mean? I'm going to take you into something real deep, and I'm going to pull you right back out, though. I don't think you're ready. This word is good. All right. Angelic visitation. Now, let's be honest. Now, look at me. Look at me. Everybody, look at me. Don't be cheating looking at the scripture. Now, look at me. Every campus, look at me. Now, here's the deal. How many people think angelic visitation involves some kind of being with white lights and perhaps wings or something like that? Come on. It's all right. Don't, come on. No, I, no, thank you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay. How many people think it's some kind of, 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 oh, you know, moment? How many people think it's that? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. So what the rest of y'all think? Little above. Okay. All right. So check out angelic visitation, Genesis 19. I'm getting ready to tell you, you have been visited by angels already. Does your neighbor say, Have you been touched by an angel? Ask him. You've been visited by angels already. Genesis 19, verse 1. You got it? Now the two angels came down to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn in to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet that you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly. Lot knew what was getting ready to happen. So they turned uh, into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house, and they called out to Lot and said to him, you read it. Stop. You already missed it. Go to verse 1. Now, two angels. Go to verse 5. Where are the men? When angels are in the earth realm, they look just like you. They look just like human beings. There are no wings, there is no white light, there is no woo coming down from heaven. When angels appear in the earth realm, look at what they were doing. They were eating, they were talking, they had feet that needed washing. 
God will speak to you through angels that take on the bodies of people. You've already been visited by angels. That conversation with that person that you met that one time that you don't know where they came from or where they at or what. But what they said to you in that moment changed you in that moment. You were feeling pretty depressed and feeling pretty sad. But that moment when that person, that was an angelic visitation. That's why the scripture says you entertain angels unknowingly. That's why you got to be careful how you treat everybody. Because the one that you're stepping on to do this might just be an angel. The fourth way God speaks. Fourth way God speaks. Okay, so we're coming right back up out the deep water, okay? And now next time when somebody says, I saw an angel, you can say, you're looking at him. <laughs> no, I saw it. It was had wings. That, mm -mm. No, then you didn't see no angel. That was that first voice. That was you talking. You want an angel to look like that. So your will manifest. Okay, all right. When you learn how to master your psyche, you learn how to master your environment. All right. The fourth, the fourth thing. I was, okay. <laughs> okay. The fourth thing, I'm going to give you the, the, the nice version. Through something or someone you wouldn't expect. Through something or someone you wouldn't expect. Go to Numbers 22. Namely, here. Okay, now I'm not going to. Uh, Numbers 22. Through something or someone you wouldn't expect. You'd expect to hear something from a good Bible-believing Christian. Right? Okay. But God normally uses jackasses. No, no, I'm, no, no. I'm, you're finna see. No. Balaam's donkey. King James called it. No, I'm not, see, I'm not being gratuitous. I'm, but now I need to make it clear for you. God will sometimes use somebody you think is a complete idiot. He'll normally use them. <laughs> Let's look at it. Let's look at it. Numbers 22 <laughs> and verse 21. So Balaam rose. On, now Balaam's a man of God. So God had to use a donkey to talk to the man of God. Got it? Now look at this. Verse 21. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went to the princes of Moab. Then God's anger was around because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him, and he was riding his donkey, and the two servants were with him. Now, New King James cleans, cleans it up. If you've got Old King James, it says he's, he's behind. Okay, now. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way. Watch this. With his drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Now check this out. An angel of the Lord is ready to slay Balaam because God said, don't you be talking to them princes. Balaam said, I'm going. So God lets Balaam get on his animal. And as he's riding his animal, the animal can see destruction that Balaam can't see. So you got the story now. Now look at verse uh, 24. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with the wall on this side and a wall on that side. So he's, he's in this closed tight hall almost. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. So he's beating the thing that's protecting him. It's amazing how often the voice that's protecting you, people will in. Okay. All right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Look, look, look at this, 27. 
and when and and when Balaam uh, or when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Watch this. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. The Lord will speak through your jackasses. The person that gives you a lot of trouble, God will speak through them. The person that you really can't stand, God will speak through them. The Bible says God opened the mouth of the donkey. So don't you feel so special because God says, if you won't say what I need you to say, I'll get a jackass to say it. He opens the mouth of the donkey. You hear? Now look at this. <laughs> so the donkey, <laughs> uh, go, go up to, where are we at? 28. The Lord opens the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? The donkey saying, hey, listen, now you ain't going to keep beating on me. I'm trying to save your life, fool. Isn't it amazing the people you're trying to help the most because you see destruction coming in their path and you're trying to help them, yet they beat you? You're trying to help them, yet they talk about you? So the, so the donkey said, listen, now I'm not the one. You're not going to be sitting here hitting on me. 29, and Balaam said to the donkey, because you have abused me, I wish there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. So Balaam saying to the donkey, you crushed my foot, you hurt me. I wish I had a sword because I'd kill you. Look at verse 30. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said, no. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. So, so see, watch this. You never want to be on the other side of I told you so. The donkey's trying to say, Balaam, I'm trying to protect you, but because I'm in an unconventional package, you're not hearing me. And God many times has to use unconventional stuff because you won't hear him otherwise. Are you still here? Now look at this. Look at this. Uh, go to verse 32. Here's what the angel said to him. Uh, why have you shrunk your donkey these three times? Behold, I came out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside these three times. Watch this. If she had not turned, I would have killed you by now and let her live. The fourth way God will speak to you is through unexpected people and unexpected things. God can use anything to speak to you. Here's the deal, though. If he has to use anything, you got to ask yourself the question. Why did he have to resort to that? Because normally God having to go to the extent to speak through a jackass means you weren't listening through the normal channels. So God says, I'll flip to get to your station one way or another. You might not be on FM, you might not be on AM, but I'll come on the XM and get you. You with me? Third way. Third way. Prayer and worship. Prayer and worship. And if I had time, I'd work that donkey thing. I'd work it. My Lord, matter of fact. Okay, all right, prayer and worship, prayer and worship, prayer and worship, prayer and worship. Now, I've told them this before in the series, Prayer, Praise, and Worship, so avail yourself to that in the bookstore. But now, I, I just want to talk about this real quick. Prayer is not you sitting up giving God a report. 
Okay? Here's, here's how the average Christian prays. Lord, this ain't right. This ain't right. This ain't right. This ain't right. But I know you're good. Lord, but I'm really this and this and this and this and this and this. And this but I trust you. Now, that's not prayer. That's applying for an anchor job at a news station because you have nothing but a negative report. Prayer is a two-way communication between heaven and earth, between God and you. And what happens in most prayer is you do all the talking. And by the time he wants to talk, you know what you say? In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> you sit there and talk for 30 minutes. And when he's ready to respond, you're ready to stop talking. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's how most folk pray. That's not, that, that kind of prayer is not going to get you anywhere. When you pray, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and as you mature with God, as you pray, he'll begin to instantly answer. Got it? There are times I'm praying, and before I even finish my statement, I already got the answer. I said, now, Lord, can you do that? Okay, I know what to do. Got it? Prayer and worship. So prayer is two-way communication, which means in that time of prayer, I give him an opportunity to respond. How do I do it? I just set the opportunity. But now also doing worship. Worship is not one-way intimacy where you put all your loving on him, okay, and he don't do nothing back to you. Now, I just, come on, I need you to get it. Worship is intimacy. You touch him, he wants to touch you back. You reach him, he wants to reach you back. No, you need to get it. Worship is intimacy with God. It is amazing to be people that say, I know the Lord, but yet they can't worship. Because if you don't have the ability to worship, I question whether or not you know him or you know of him. Because worship is intimacy. It, 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 it's getting to know him. It, it's getting to know what he likes, what he doesn't like, and he knows what you like. It's this intimacy. It is this weaving of two spirits together. That's worship. So worship is another time where God will speak with you. That's why if you come in and just watch them sing, you are missing out. But if you start lifting your hands and start opening your voice and start moving your feet and start clapping your hands, you would be able to capitalize on the experience of worship. Worship is not just you putting it on him so if you just stand and watch them you're missing it and you may say well bishop i don't have rhythm cool let's get together because neither do i now i'm joking of course i have rhythm i have my own style okay it's not about because here's the deal if you're concerned about all that well i just am a quiet person you're a liar i know let me tell you i know you lie now, this is how folk talk in the country. You a lie. Let me tell you, I know you a lie. Because when them Broncos is playing, <laughs> when the Rockies was in, 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 getting to be in the series, you, uh, there you were. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. When your favorite person wins The Apprentice, uh, you ain't just sitting there. Oh, that's nice. No, you're going crazy. Got it? So when worship's happening, it's an opportunity for not only me to communicate to him, but, me to commu but for him to communicate back with me. And when I allow the door to stay open long enough, I'll hear what he's saying. So if you come into service and you just watch them, you're missing out on valuable communication. Because this isn't a concert. If it is, we're going to start charging at the door. 
That way we can make sure you, you do right. Y'all ain't saying nothing. All right, so what was the fifth way? And angels, when they appear on earth, appear as? What's the fourth way? <laughs> and y'all don't say that. That's the bishop's only word, donkeys. What's the third way? Prayer and worship. Two-way communication. Now, here's the second way. Your pastor. It's amazing to me how many people miss the opportunity of church because they think they know everything. Most dangerous person is a person that thinks they know something and don't know jack. Now, go to Jeremiah chapter 3. Jeremiah chapter 3. Okay? Now, I'm being somewhat pedagogical tonight. I hope you will indulge me. Amen. But I'm about through. So <laughs> Now, <coughs> Jeremiah chapter 3. Watch this. Church is not just uh, something I do so I can get credit. Went to church this week, boop, point for me. Went on Wednesday, boop, bonus point. Is <laughs> that about points? Because a lot of Christians with lots of points, but they still ain't absorbed nothing they've been getting points for. Got it? Now check this out. Church in Greek uh, or and Hebrew is ecclesia, ecclesia. Now, it means the called out. So the church isn't just the building, it's the people. The touch your neighbor and say, you the church. Now, now watch this, though. Now, and, and you being the church, God, the system we have set up today, the scripture says God gives you a pastor. Now, watch this. It doesn't matter where you run to, who, who you, who, whose bandwagon you try to jump on, your pastor is the only one that has the ability to speak to your spirit the way it needs to be spoken to. It's amazing to me how many people meet me. They know I'm their pastor, but they will run from me because they are not used to hearing God in church. They're used to hearing sermons, but they're not used to hearing God. And so when God speaks, it scares the hell out of them because they don't know what to do with God talking that loud in front of them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I remember years ago, I remember years ago, years ago, years ago, before I was in ministry, there was, there was a, uh, a preacher. Every time they'd preach, I, I, I would, didn't want to hear it because <laughs> they're telling the truth. And I just, you know, I said, that's just too much. That's a little strong. Okay, so y'all can't even handle that, okay. This is years ago. I, 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 I wasn't in ministry then. And, and every time, and somebody, oh, so, so I said, oh, okay, that's cool, but just tell me what they said. I don't want to hear nothing. I don't want to know. Now watch this. God gives you a pastor, and the purpose of the pastor is to be his voice to you. Now check this out. Go to Jeremiah 3.15. You got it? Now let me just clear this up too. When I said scare the hell out of it, I mean hell. Gehenna. What is Gehenna? Hot trash. <laughs> Scares the trash out of you. Okay. Y'all all right? Okay. I don't want to scare you. Amen. Jeremiah 3.15. And I will give you what? Shepherds. <coughs> the, 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 uh, the Hebrew word for pastor is pakad. You know what it means? To be hostile towards. God says, I give you somebody to be hostile towards you to get you where I ordained for you to be. Greek word for pastor is poman, and it just generically translates uh, to shepherd as well. Look at this. And I give you shepherds, pastors, according to what? My heart. Who will what? 
feed you with knowledge and understanding. Watch this. When you come to church with expectation, every question you walk in here with, you will get an answer to. Okay, I didn't get nobody to say nothing. Let me talk to this side of the church. When you come to church with expectation, I'm not coming just, well, I hope God said, no. Lord, I got this question, this question, this question, this question. When you come in here with expectation, I'm here to tell you, God already said, I'm going to give you a shepherd that's going to feed you with knowledge and with understanding. And so you don't have to walk around living your life by experimentation. You can live your life by design. Just hear the words of your man of God and follow. That's it. When you come in here with expectation, it's amazing to me. People come up uh, after church and they say, Bishop, I had this list of questions for you, but uh, you covered them all. And it was an ask the bishop. It was somewhat of a, of a pedagogical teaching or a very systematic teaching like we're doing tonight. It, 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 it wasn't even something where we flowed uh, per se in, in, in this or that. But God was able to answer their questions because they were submitted to hear the voice of their pastor. Don't forsake that. Because that's the second most powerful way he speaks to you. It's right in here. But you said, Bishop, but I, 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 you know, but I, I just need a new word. No, I'll tell you what you need. You need to get some stuff already because God has the ability to take something that was ministered years ago. And you pop it in today. And it'll speak to your situation today as if it's a fresh word. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all got some CDs from 07. You pop that thing in now and it's, woo! Great, you getting on the side of the road on the highway talking about... The Bible says the word is living. It's sharper than a dual-edged sword. Which means God's word has the ability to be whatever you need it to be when you need it to be it. And God says, I give you shepherds, pastor, that's going to feed you with knowledge and with understanding. So what's the key to hearing that? I got to come with expectation. I got to come expecting to have my questions answered. And when I come... God will shift the whole flow of what I plan to say and make it what you needed to hear. Bishop, how does he do that? I, I, that that's just God. That's just, this is how he does it. Man, I got the Holy Ghost, not the Holy Guest. It's not about me. It's about God speaking through. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, now here, here, here's the, the first way. And the, uh, and the most frequent way God speaks to you, God's word. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, his word. Now, I'm going to tell you why every time you get ready to get in the word, you get distracted. I'm going to tell you why. Because this is the primary way he speaks. So I'm going to tell you why. I anybody ever had that problem? I mean, you're like, Lord, I'm going to get in my Bible tonight. I can't wait to get home. And as soon as you get home... You I mean, stuff that you didn't even intend to be a problem. You ain't heard from them in 15 years, and the night you want to get in your word, they remembered your number. <laughs> We've all had that happen. And guess what? I'm going to show you why that happens. Because here's the deal. The enemy knows if he can keep you out of the word, he can keep you from ever hearing God. You see? Now go to Genesis 119. You got it? 105? Genesis 119, 105. You got it? Genesis 119. Uh, what did I tell you? 
Psalm 119. Genesis 119, that's in the Apocrypha. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Psalm 119, Psalm 119. <laughs> Psalm 119. You know what I'm talking about. 105. 119, 105. You got it? Now look at this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, now watch this. When we say, God, is that you? We're saying, Lord, I don't know if I'm on the right path or the next step to take on the path. So now watch this. He gives me the antidote to that. He says, the word is going to light up my footsteps and it's going to make sure I'm on the right path. Uh, you, I, I like watching game shows. And, you know, if you ever watch game shows and the person gets the wrong thing, they'll light it up over here and, you know, dum -dum -dum -dum, they did the little and they'll light it up and say, this was the right answer. This was the right thing. That's what God does. God says, when, when you're in my word, and I'm going to show you how to be in it and not be in it to judge. Because some folk are in it so that they can look down on everybody else. That's why Paul said, knowledge puffs up if it's not kept in check. Okay, all right, all right. So, so his word says, I'll light your path. You'll know this is the right path. I'll light it up. It's a light. And then when you get on the path and you're not sure which step to take on the path, then I'll put a lamp down there so you know what step to take. Now, he says the word does that. Now, now, now look at this. Now, look at this. There are, there are two words that we, that we see in Scripture for God's word. The first is rhema. Rhema. R-H-E-M-A. Rhema. Now, the Scripture says man cannot live by bread alone, but by every rhema that proceeded from the mouth of God. What does that mean, Bishop? God didn't start talking at Genesis. He didn't stop at Revelation. He's talking right now. That's his rhema. He's speaking. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He is speaking. He's speaking. But now the other word is logos. Just like legos, but change that E to the O. Logos. It literally means his logic or what he already said. So check it out. You with me? Rhema is what he's saying. Logos is what he said. Check this out. Because a lot of saints will hear stuff that they say is God, that they say is rhema, but it doesn't match logos. God will never speak a rhema that doesn't match logos. Okay, let me give you a perfect example. Bishop, the Lord told me that's my husband. Okay, you're saying that's rhema. But Logos says he's married, and that would be God violating his law. So, so that doesn't match. Bishop, Bishop, I felt like the Lord told me to stay at home today and not come to church and just stay at home and pray with my kids. That's you saying that's rhema. Problem is that doesn't match his Logos because his Logos says do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, especially as you see the day approach. I can't get nobody to say nothing. So what he's saying always has to match what he said. He will never say something to you that does not match something he's already said. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, now check this out. Here's the awesome thing about God's word. You may say, well, Bishop, I don't, I don't really know where to start. I, I don't know how, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know. Well, you need to get, some, your, get your hands on some resources out of the bookstore because it'll help you. Because it's more than just, here's the most dangerous thing you can do. And we've all done it, so we ain't even got raised hands. Just open the Bible and say, Lord, wherever you want me to land. Come on, let, okay, let's go and do it so we know nobody feel bad. We've all done it. Lord, wherever you want me to land, I'm just going to open. And then that'll be the one day you open it to, and the Lord opened the earth from among them. And you're like, well, no, Lord, that ain't the right verse. 
<laughs> no, God, I don't. Uh, give me another verse. <laughs> and you go to, you know, John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Now, I'm not saying God can't speak that way. I'm just saying that's dangerous because what happens when you open the book to something that you don't know how to interpret? Now, get your set, hands on some resources in the bookstore that will help you in that. But now watch this. When I'm in God's word, here's what I do first. I pray and I worship before I go to the word. Why do I do it in that order? Because if I just open the Bible in the morning and just say, just, God, just give me a word. Here's the deal. I haven't opened up the communications portals of prayer or worship. So now I could read a verse and only see that verse for somebody else and not see it for myself because I didn't open up the communications portals. And our natural tendency is to use the word as a weapon. That's Adam's natural tendency. You ever met somebody that, that, that's super saved? you know, super saved, and they use a little bit of Bible they know against you? Okay, you never met anybody like that? And so th it never applies to them. So you try to tell them, to st so it's like you're using the Bible against one another. I see husband and wives, they'll use the Bible, but I mean, you need to submit, but the Bible says you need to have a plan. See, because, you know, it's like, doo, doo, doo. it's not a weapon against one another. It's a weapon against the enemy. Are you getting what I'm saying? Okay, so before I get into the word, I open up the communications por portal with prayer and with worship. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You, you ready? Most times when we do that, we get distracted. Okay, so let me give you some real pragmatic things, all right? I don't know how not to be distracted, okay? Put your phone in another room. That, that's first thing. Because I promise you, when you sit down, okay, Lord, I'm feeling, woo, this is going to be good. And then if it's not ringing, you got a blackberry, that little red light, boop. And you know that red light is so irresistible. Come on, will y'all be honest? When that red light goes, you just have, you could be in the middle of a cold sleep and turn over and accidentally see that red light and, oh, Lord, who is it? You know, and it's Netflix telling you about a new movie they let out or something, but you... Put your phone in another room. <laughs> Turn the TV off. I know you're, you're a good multitasker, but it's, it's, you're not going to be able to hear God, okay, and the TV at the same time because he won't compete. He just won't say nothing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You got to remove the distractions from around you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I've prayed, I've worshiped. So now my heart's right, my mind's prepared, my spirit's prepared. I go into the word of God and watch this. I don't try to be super saint. Or you try, I'm going to read a whole book of the Bible today. If you're there, great. But if you're not there, get you a good five verses. Get you a good 10 minutes. And you work them five verses like a part-time job. Because what good is it knowing and memorizing a bunch of stuff that you, Scripture says in Timothy, study to show thyself approved, not study to know. 
Which means when I'm looking at the word, I'm looking at the word so that I can show something in my life, not just know a bunch of Bible. Because the scripture says, good, you know the word. So does Satan and all the demons. And they know it better than you. You get what I'm saying? Okay, so I've prayed. I've worshiped. I'm ready. I've removed the distractions. I'm in the word. And now God will speak to me from a book that he wrote thousands of years ago. And words that are on pages from men that will never know you. Those words will speak to you. And you'll hear God clearly. And you'll have to stop saying, God, is that you? Because you'll know it's him. Now, now, let's, let's review this real quick. I want to make sure you got it tonight. What's the fifth? What's the fourth? What's the third? Second. First. Okay, now here's the deal. Here's what you have to do when you're not sure. Uh, sometimes Christians feel like if they're not sure, like it's something's wrong. Like, God, I'm just not sure. Oh, Lord, I must not be doing right. I, you know. Here's the deal. You're a human being that is susceptible to human issues. All right? Now, I'm not saying that as, as a past. What I'm saying that to say is uh, one of the first things you got to do, if you're not sure of the voice you've heard, is ask God to confirm it. Ask God to confirm it. Not being sure just means more growth has to happen between you and God, and that's okay. You're never going to get to the point where you got them all figured out. We're never going to get to the point where you're like, well, I, I know everything. about Christians get me, but I know everything there is to know about the Lord. That proves to me you're still in kindergarten. Because we all got stuff to learn. It's, it's a relationship. Relationships, either you're going to grow together or you're going to grow apart. Okay? So I ask God, God, confirm this voice for me. Because I'm not 100% sure if that's you. Got it? And then you got to give specifics about the confirmation. Y'all see how this is real pragmatic? I'm going to shout you in a minute. I'm going to shout you in just a moment. I just need you to get it so that you don't have to wonder if it's him anymore. Don't say, Lord, please confirm uh, your word by letting tomorrow it be a, a hurricane in Colorado. Okay, that's not happening. No, and you know that's what we'll do. Lord, if that's you, flip them lights off in the kitchen without nobody touching the light switch. <laughs> you got a ghost is what you got, and it ain't the holy one. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Better look out for Whoopi Goldberg and all them other folks trying to figure out who the ghost is. Ask him to confirm it. What's a good way to do that? Lord, tonight in the message, let the bishop confirm it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, here's the deal. When you get into confirmation of God's word, when he confirms it once, he's not obligated to keep doing it after that because you're scared to do it. All right? When he confirms it once, he got to be looking. When he confirms it once, he's not obligated to keep confirming it. Okay, Lord, you did that. Okay, now, you know, he's not a circus monkey. Now, Lord, if you just let so-and-so do this. Okay, now, look, no, yeah, once he confirms it once, that's it. Got to be looking. And you can't be scared to do it. You understand what I'm saying? 
Whenever you don't want to make a decision, what do we do? We put it off. And we just, I'm waiting on God. And God says, I told you that in 94. I have nothing else to say about it. You hear what I'm saying? Come on, you getting this tonight? All right. Now, now, the second thing I got to do when I'm not sure of the voice I've heard is ask this simple question. Does it violate scripture? And we've already spoken to that before. Does it violate scripture directly? Does it violate scripture directly? God will never tell you to do something that violates scripture directly. Can I give you a, a practical example? Okay, if, you, if you're struggling with a voice of whether or not to pay your tithe or not, I just want you to know that's, that's not God. No, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm just trying to get you real, because everybody, I don't care how saved you are, has had that voice come up, and you're like, God, is that you? Now, let me tell you the voice that is God, the one that says, give when it hurts. Not just money, but, but love or patience or whatever. That voice is God. God will always speak something that will drag you out of your comfort zone. Okay? But he'll never contradict what he said. Okay? Now, here's the other thing. Not just does it violate scripture directly, okay, but does it violate biblical principle indirectly? And this is the last thing, and I'm through. Uh, the scripture doesn't speak explicitly to certain things, okay? So the Bible doesn't say, thou shalt not text and drive. Okay? Doesn't say that. But it does say, thou shalt not kill. So... Biblical principle would tell me if I can't do both, which I believe they're illegal now, and I encourage you to be in compliance with all local, state, and federal laws, then I can't violate the principle. Do you see the difference? Okay, let me give you another example. Uh, the scripture doesn't say uh, directly, you know, uh, uh, certain things, for example, uh, about how you should deal with certain folk. Okay? The scripture doesn't say to you, you know, turn around. You know, and say, Lord, help me, Jesus. And <laughs> but it gives you a principle, which is to season what you say with salt. Make it palatable. Okay? Because the scripture says, I got to flee the very appearance of evil. So, so, so the Bible doesn't say you need to have a Facebook page. Doesn't say you can't have one. Here's what it does say. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. Okay, real quiet when I talk about Facebook. What, y'all work for Zuckerberg or something? What's going on? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. The, the scripture doesn't speak directly to certain things, but it gives a principle for certain things. And that principle, I have to ask myself, does it violate biblical principle? Is it going to make God look bad? Because if it does, that's probably not him. Is it going to make my church look bad? Because if it does, that's probably not him. Is it going to make my family look bad? Because if it does, that's probably not him. Are you getting what I'm saying? I check the voices I hear when I'm unsure of them. You got that? All right, let's review the lesson tonight. The five ways in Scripture. What's the fifth? Four. Third. Second. First. Okay, now, when I'm unsure, what's the first thing I do? 
How many times is he obligated to confirm it? Once. Got it? Because Scripture says, God has spoken once and twice did I hear. And the second thing I got to do. Scripture or biblical principle. Got it? Now, when I apply these things, I never have to wonder, God, is that you? Hear what I'm saying? God's speaking to you. The stuff that you're confused about. God's saying, why are you confused about it? I've spoken. You don't have to be confused. But while you're learning his voice, you just got to check his voice. Now, now here, here's the key. Bishop, how do I know that when, when I'm walking in, 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 in and I'm walking in, in uh, we got a word, somebody in the church say oneness. I'm walking in oneness with God. I know I'm walking in oneness with him because my life reflects the presence of his voice. Which means, watch this, I stop making the same mistakes. <laughs> Let me talk to this side because y'all can get rid of me. I, I, I stop making the same mistakes over and over and over again. I know that I'm in oneness and sync with his voice because when I was getting ready to make that mistake again, his voice came in and whoosh, stopped it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to look at myself next year and see myself in the same place next year as I am. Anybody in the house like that? I don't want to do that. So how do I avoid that? I make sure I'm in oneness. I'm in sync with his voice. And when I'm in sync with his voice, you'll know it because my life reflects it. Everybody stand on your feet. Be delighted this holiday season at Ice and Lights, the winter village at Cameron Run. Just minutes from Old Town Alexandria. Stroll through the park and enjoy winter photo ops, light displays, hot chocolate, and a warm treat. The winter village offers playtime for the entire family. Extend the magic of the holidays by visiting early, starting November 17th. Get your tickets now at CameronIceandLights.com. That's CameronIceandLights.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.